Top of the day, everyone. Welcome back to Hot Garbage True Crime Edition. I'm your host, Nisha B, and this is my beautiful best friend and co-host. Do the badass. Yes, and today we are recording on a wonderful rainy day. This is my favorite kind of weather. I do love the rain, man. I am one of those type of people that just embrace it. I usually tell us how God cleans there. Oh, yeah. It's definitely like, and it's cupcake season, so find someone you love and cuddle up. Oh, I was going to say, eating some cupcakes. Oh, but I, yeah, I do love to cupcake. Yeah, cupcake, even if it's your favorite, like your favorite pet or your kids or just a loved one. Just cuddle up because it's so cold. It's something to keep you warm and fuzzy. You don't cupcake with your kids. Don't stack it weird there. No, not that. really weird there. No, I'm talking about. You can't cupcake with your kids. You've never actually like laid in bed with your kids and watched movies and just hugged them. I've never bugged. laid in bed and hugged on my child. No. Okay, you always take things to a weird. That's exactly what you just said. Like, do you ever put on a good movie and then lay in the bed and hug all over your child? You know like, what? No. Never has happened. Okay, you know what? Since you want to make me seem like a weirdo, I'm just going to get started with the episode. I mean, how many of you, did you do that with your boy child as well? Oh, I in the bed? Does he have his shirt on? And I haven't done that with my son since he was like a, a child. Like now, no, my son would not cupcake with me now. Oh, because he knows he what's happening. Like, he's, he's conscious now. You know what? He's I, like, Mama, don't be putting them big old chest of on my back now while you watch this movie. I cannot. This is, you're watching Love Jones and shit and you got <laughs> your, son, your son over here like, let's cuddle up. He's like, <laughs> you just have a mama to buy your son some silk draws, ain't you? Like, I just want you to look good for Valentine's Day. Oh my gosh! I know that because my actual mother did that, and it was very, very weird. Oh, and your mother is awesome. She just wanted to look out for you. No, you don't look out in that way as a mom. You gotta, you gotta stop. You, you should act like that don't even exist on my body <laughs> as a mother. Like that just is a big blur spot to you. It's all censored. Oh. Well, since Buddha wants to act like I'm some kind of weirdo over here. Right? You are just saying very weird stuff is all I'm saying. This <laughs> how you word it, it just comes out kind of like, hmm, who's... The... And you're encouraging people to lay in the bed with you. Oh, you know what? Okay, don't don't cupcake with your kids. You can cupcake with your animals, your significant other, um, your friends. I cupcake only with women. Okay. Okay, grown women. <laughs> That's <laughs> all cupcaking is happening over him. Now, if you want to sit here and have some charges pressed against you by somebody's sheep what? or a dog or a child. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> and I'm... I don't know if I'm going to let you watch my children now because I'm understanding that I... that's what you're going to be doing is laying in oh, bed with them. Whatever. They love their auntie and I'm not going to lay in the bed with your children since I know you feel uncomfortable. While you're watching a movie. Oh, see. And cupcake. You know what? That is so... You're going to be spooning somebody's kid. No, I'm not going to do that. That is so, like, you just took this conversation to a whole nother level of weirdness. It was already weird. <laughs> 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 I'm just identifying the weird. Oh my gosh! Well, do you remember where we left off last week? Uh, it was going down. I think um, they were in the house. They was trying to still figure out whether he killed the person or not. Uh, the neighbors. We was debating on whether or not the neighbor was a snitch. Yeah. And trying to help out and. Uh, and uh, I think he's about to run in and start beating everybody's ass. I was ready for that. I was waiting for him. Like, he's going to dive on a cop. He's going to dive on a female. He's probably going to jump off the board, the balcony. Well, well, we, we are. This is, by the way, part two of the Chris Watts. So if you haven't listened to part one, I highly encourage you to listen to that one first. But just to recap, so we have Nicole, which was Shannon's best friend, knew that she was missing by her missing a doctor's appointment. So she came over to the house with her son and she called the police. The police, you know, has been looking around the house and Chris is there, you know, looking as well. And then there was the neighbor, Nate, who says he has footage of his yard, but the peripheral of the video is also of Chris's yard. So he could see a little bit that his truck was pulled out, but not all the way. And he could see that nobody else came and went after Chris went to work. Mm -hmm. So we're picking up there. So... Basically, after the officers looked all around Chris's house, there was nothing to do with the house. So the officer then decided to go and take the neighbor up on his offer. Because remember, the neighbor had already kind of yelled up to Brad, the son, and said, you know, there no one left or anything. So the officer was like, can I come over to that house and kind of look at the video footage myself? Mm. <clears throat> so the officer goes next door and then Chris goes with him. So you can see on the video, he is very nervous as he's in the neighbor's house. He's nervous. He's antsy. He just doesn't know what's going to be on that footage. Now, when the three of them are at the neighbor Nate's house, they pull up the footage on Nate's big screen TV. Mm -hmm. 
So, and, and on the video footage, you can see kind of, it's weird the way Chris is standing. So Chris is standing, like if the TV is in front, Chris is standing <coughs> to the side of the TV to where he wouldn't even really be able to look at the footage himself. The officer and Nate is standing in front of the TV. So it's almost like Chris is so nervous, like he's standing on the side of the TV, kind of like looking down at his phone. But you would think like if his wife and kids are missing, don't you want to look directly at the footage? You would be on that. Yeah. You'd be on the screen. You'd be on the that screen. I'd be standing directly behind the cop. Yeah, like directly behind, right. As I'm looking at my wife. But like I am very concerned. Yes, I'm very, right. And I need you to be in front of me. Right. As I'm concerned. <laughs> so that right there is suspicious as hell, mm-hmm. right? So, basically, the cop starts questioning the neighbor, and he was like, so, about your footage, this this footage record all day, you know, and stuff like that. So, Chris, at that point, starts sweating, and you can see he's actually wearing sunglasses. He has his sunglasses on top of his head. He's sweating so bad that the sunglasses fall down, like, off of his face. He has to, like, pull them back up. That's how bad he is. Mm. And so, so, basically... When um, Nate and the officer are watching the footage, you know, he's kind of still looking at his phone and he made the um, the behavior analysis that he may subconsciously be doing this because, you know, because he's guilty, he's like subconsciously kind of trying to take himself out of the situation, you know, because anyone that's not guilty is going to be looking directly at the TV (coughs) and stuff like that. But in his mind, he's like, he may subconsciously just not be doing things that make him look guilty or trying to take himself out of the situation. He's trying to make himself look calm. Yeah, but he really, he's not calm. Like, you can see he's everything but calm, you know? So he puts his phone away, and he starts defending everything that they're watching. At that point, he does start looking at the screen. And so, remember, this video footage is really only facing the neighbor's yard, but you can see a little piece of Chris's truck from when he pulled it out. And he was like... Oh, see, at that point, that's when I started putting my tools in my truck for work. He said, because, you know, there's been some burglaries in the neighborhood. People were getting stuff stolen out of their truck. So he said, I just wanted to make sure that my tools was loaded. Like, he kept saying, I'm putting my tools in my truck at that point. Mm -hmm. So, that, and at that point, that's when he was putting the bodies in the truck, because that's why the truck was out for so long. He Mm -hmm. had pulled the truck out. And so, he just kept saying that. And so, the movement, there was, like, there was a lot of, like, kind of like movement in the background like but you could like see like he pulled the truck out the truck is just paused there um at that point he starts pacing he puts both heads on top he puts both hands on top of his head it's like he's trying to control his breathing at this point and he just keeps defending himself and the cop and Nate is like okay you were loading your tools that's not what we were looking for we're just looking at the footage you know So, Nate and the cop and Chris, like, they kind of start talking at that point, still trying to figure stuff out. And at that point, like, you know how, like, you don't, you, if you don't touch something for a long time, the TV would kind of time out. Because they it was looking right. at the footage, and then the cop starts, stop, starts asking questions. So, the TV timed out. Mm-hmm. And so, at that point, I guess the neighbor, before that he put the footage up, he had been looking at, like, the sci-fi network or something. So, the original, whatever he was looking at, came on there. And it so happened to be an ultrasound picture. Like, whatever it was, it was like a baby. You could see a baby in an ultrasound. And that was a TV show. Chris looked at that, and he kind of freaked out. He said, oh, by the way, my wife is 15 weeks pregnant. You know, it was, like, crazy that that picture came up at that time, like, on that TV. That was crazy. Yeah. And so, Chris keeps sighing. He's pacing. He's nervous. And so, they cut the TV back on. They keep watching the footage. They don't find anything additional on the footage at this point, right? So, the officer tells Chris that he's free to go back to his house because he just wants to get the neighbor's info, you know, for for future references. Mm -hmm. So, as soon as Chris leaves and closes the door... That Nate looks at the officer, he was like, he's not acting right at all. He was like, he looks at his footage every single day because he likes to monitor his own neighborhood. And he was like, he's never takes that long to load his truck. He was like, usually, like, he don't be watching him like that, but just on his footage, he said, yeah, usually every... Neighbor, yeah. he knows it like that. Right, he was like, every single day, he said he leaves. He was like, the fact that his truck was there that long, he wasn't, he feels like, <laughs> why would it take that long, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and this is where we come back to the snitching. Now, at this point, yes, the neighbor is being a snitcher. Is that, now, that's, that's in the grounds of snitching. That's in the grounds of snitching, because he hmm. was like, because he straight up was like, because <laughs> I remember what you said last week, he was like, is that snitching? I was like, I don't know. I've because had to, because I've, I've even though I am uh, African-American, I, but I, you know, I've never understood, I've been raised in a world of science, mm-hmm. of logic, my mother is a PhD in, in uh, psychology, I've been raised in that, of logic, 
So I never understood the grounds in which what's snitching and what's not snitching. Yeah. Like, so if a guy comes up and rob you and you're in blood or he shoots at you and if you're blood and he's a crip and he shoots at you and you come back and tell your boys, like, man, I just got shot at. Isn't that technically snitching? Yeah, well, that's telling. But it's snitching, I don't know, to the police or... I mean, because if somebody does something to me and I go tell my family or friends... Is that snitching or is that just kind of like I need someone to vent to? But if I, because my family and friends doesn't have the ability to get them in trouble. I think snitching is if you go to the police because my family and friends can't put them in jail. Their family and friends go back and shoot at them though. Oh, well, yeah, they can do that. So technically, I mean, I don't know. Uh, if anybody hit us up, like email us and let us know, technically, what is your version of snitching? Right? Yeah, because, how, what constitutes the level in which it is snitching and yeah. it is then just reporting information? Yeah, because I kind of want to know that too. <clears throat> Um, and so also, so the neighbor, I guess, talks to Chris now and then, and he was like, Chris is usually a really quiet guy. He was like, Chris is laid back and quiet. And the fact that he was talking this much, he said, that's also like grounds for suspicious. He said, Chris never talks this much at all. So remember I was saying that he was talking about, I put my tools in the truck and I did this and that. Hmm. And so the cop was like, he was kind of suspicious too, but he told the neighbor, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he said his wife and his kids is missing. Maybe he's acting out of his element because of that situation, right? And so, you know, nothing else big happens. Um, now, the next day, the police goes back to Chris's house with the dogs. And so they, they want to sniff around to see if anything is in there, you, you know, know so see if they can. Yeah, so like he come, they come back with it. Now, the news stations at this point also comes to Chris's house to do interviews. These new these news interviews, anybody can look at them on YouTube. There's some on the Netflix documentaries. They're super famous after Chris is arrested because of how he was acting on the interviews. He was like super emotionalist. He was like, his eyes was darting back and forth. He was kind of stuttering. Um, they all started putting up missing posters and the police really starts asking neighbors if they saw anything, but you know, the way that Chris was acting, he was just really emotionless. He was just like, we just want, he said, I just want my family back. You know, I just, I'll do anything for them, them to come back, but there was really no emotion behind it, you know? So, I mean, how, that's a hard call. Cause I mean, how yeah. emotional do you think John Wayne would be? Uh-huh. You know, if well, his family came up missing. You think John Wayne would cry? Well, and that's my thing, too, because you can't really ever judge someone's emotions because we'll, we'll cover some cases to where somebody's on TV screaming and crying and just and they're guilty as hell. Right? So you, you know, can't, like, yeah. You think Clint Eastwood would cry, yeah. like, on TV? Yeah. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you think he'd fucking cry on TV? Yeah. And that's that's the whole thing. Like, you can't gauge somebody because there's people that has nothing to do with the situation, but they just don't cry. They're not emotional. Yeah, so, they're not they're not like that. But yeah. trust me, once the doors get closed and he's coming after you like a hailstorm. Yeah, <clears throat> you know right. what I mean. So that's why I never really so. like I never really agreed with that because there's been a lot of cases where they're like, well, this person wasn't acting like this, but everybody acts different. Not everybody's right, gonna... and some people act like they're completely irate and completely distraught, and how you're supposed to act when you're sad, and they're the ones that stabbed them in the fucking face. Yeah. So it's it's a hard it's a hard call. It really uh, is. Like bro, like that one. I'm like, mm, that's just about a person. Now, after all of this happens, after the interviews, Chris actually volunteers to go in for an interview with FBI agent Graham Coder. So uh, basically, he just wanted to, you know, clear up any questions and stuff like that. So Graham Coder was the lead investigation on uh, investigator on this case. So, you know, it was his job to kind of make Chris feel comfortable, you know, make him feel like this is just routine questioning, which it was, you know. Um, when they got in, Graham sits on the same side of the table as Chris. So Chris is, if you see the video, Chris is by the wall. So Graham sits next to him to where he's kind of blocking him in. But he didn't want to sit across from him as if he's like interrogating him. He came at him as a friend, you know. That's different. Yeah. Because he really wanted to make Chris feel comfortable and he didn't want Chris to immediately go out and just lawyer up. Because you'll see after when I go over the questioning, if Chris would have lawyered up, this might have played out a little bit differently. So what you're doing is kind of helping criminals in the future. Well, like, <laughs> what you should do is his ass come sit beside yeah. you. It's game! Yeah. Well, and you'll, yeah, we'll learn a lot about this. Just so everybody knows the in interrogations, the cops can do anything. They'll say anything to get you to confess. And that's the whole thing. It's about getting a confession. So sometimes they'll come at you as a mean cop. Sometimes they'll come at you as a sensitive cop. Sometimes they'll come at you as, okay, well, I feel like super bad for you. You know, just know that the cops at the end of the day is to get the truth out, you know? I mean, is that a bad thing? 
Well, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. It was just something. Well, and one thing I will say, too, to always make sure that you lawyer up, whether you're innocent or guilty. A lot of innocent people or a lot of people, period, feels like, okay, well, I'm not going to lawyer up because it's going to make me look guilty. No, if you are, if the cops ever want to question you, you're always supposed to have a lawyer no matter what. That's because there's been a lot of innocent people that has played themselves out of that. You're always supposed to have a lawyer. So don't go answer any questions without a lawyer. That's good to know. Yeah, that's good to know. Now, the only thing, and I haven't really researched this part of it, because I know that when you are actually under arrest, the courts do have to appoint you a lawyer, right? And so since they have to appoint you a lawyer, you know, if you can't afford one, that's the whole thing. But if you're just asked to come in for questioning, you're not under arrest yet. So I never figured out, like, they don't, ha that means that's on your dime. Like, you're going to have to pay for a lawyer. So that might be why some people don't go into questioning with a lawyer. So I never, like, figured that part out. Yeah, um, that it would be your own lawyer team, law team. Yeah, because the public defender only is coming in to try and be there as once you're yeah subjugated to court. Yeah, once you're so that and that might be why a lot of poor people and you know middle class people maybe you know that may be why they can't get a lawyer because you can't get one for free until you're arrested. So that may be why. Yeah. And some a good amount of people be having a lawyer on standby. Man. Right, so that should not be happening. A good relationship with a lawyer. Now the detective is wearing plain clothes. The detective is playing, uh, wearing plain clothes, and asked Chris to uh, the story like all over again. You know, he was like, he wants to start poking holes in in the story. You know what I mean? He did it like that one guy from Boys in the Hood. Oh like, you right, know you fucked up right. Yeah. <laughs> he said you went in at six fifteen. Oh yeah, yep. Like, that's exactly that's what, what he kept was. doing. He was... answered the same question again. Three hours later, so you said you went in at six forty-five. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, six forty-five. Like you know, you fucked up, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what he did, trying to poke holes in it. So he asked him again, and so Chris told him this is what he said. He said that you know, uh, the morning that Shannon got home from her trip, they had sex. In the morning time, they did get into an argument. He asked for a divorce. She was really upset, and he went to work after that. So he's basically trying to set it up as if they got into an argument. So she must have just took the kids and left him. You know. Uh. Now, at this point, they also asked for his phone. They didn't say it was for evidence, but they just said, you know, because this is an interview, we need to have your, we need to hold your phone, you know, through the duration of the interview. So Chris, he hands it over. He doesn't have any problems with it at all. And so after every statement, you know, Chris makes in the interview, he says, you know, her phone was off. You know, he just keeps going over the whole story. He says she had cut her phone off. You know, he just keeps mm, saying stuff like that. That might get him busted out, too, because the fact that, if, how would you know her phone's off if they take your phone and you ain't called her? No, it, well, the the police is like, the police, this is, he's saying that the morning of the argument, she had her phone off. That's what he was saying. So he's going back telling the story of, okay, well, you know, we got into an argument. I don't know why her phone was off. Because remember, her friend had tried to call her and everything. And she had left her phone at the house. Yeah, but did he try to call her in the he, call log? Right. Uh, you know, that's one thing. Uh, yeah, he did, actually. Okay. Yeah, he did try. So the detective then would ask, hey, well, why do you think her phone was off? You know what I mean? So he it kind of starts putting a lot of pressure on him, you know, because... And he's saying everything on the surface, but basically what he's trying to do is he's trying to force him to go more into details, you know what I mean, to where, you know, if you ever try to catch somebody in a lie, they have to lie to cover, cover up another lie. And, you know what I mean, if they don't already have a lie prepared for the question you're going to ask, that's how you're going to trip them up. So that's what, what the detective is trying to do at this point. So at this point, Graham turns his chair to face Chris, because remember, he's sitting right next to him. And he, he says, I'm going to ask you a hard question now. And I want you to keep an open mind. You know, he said, I think it's weird that you told me that you guys had marital issues and, she, and you wanted a divorce on the same day she went missing. And so basically he just said, I really, you know, want you to keep that in mind, you know. And so, but he said it in a friendly tone. You know, he said it friendly because, again, he doesn't want Chris to get a lawyer at all. Like he wants Chris to kind of open up to him and everything like that. You got, so, you got some odd details about this shit here. Oh, yeah. I Like, I know this case. I, I watched the Netflix documentary. You know, I he turned his chair and all the shit. Huh? Yeah, well, you can see all of this on the Netflix documentary. Like, you can see, again, you can see this whole thing play out on the Netflix documentary. I mean, if the, the actor turned his chair, did the real man do that in two? No, this is the real... The Netflix documentary is not the actor. This is actually... All this stuff is on the video footage. 
So oh. this is your if you watch the Netflix documentary, you're not gonna watch actors. You're gonna these are the real actual people. That this is how it's playing out. What they did was they took all this footage, they took all the the confessions, the interviews, and they put this all on the Netflix documentary. That's what makes it so good is because you're actually gonna watch these real people. So you see, you know, all this stuff when they're have they bring the dogs in, they're looking all over the place. These are the real people. Okay, so, well, good. Yeah. See this on Netflix, and Netflix also sponsor us. Yes, please sponsor us, Netflix, because I watch you all the time. They have the best true crime stuff. Oh, my God. Right, we'll just kick in any type of thing. I'll put it on the professional voice and everything. Like, bought by Netflix, I come. <laughs> for you guys, just real quick in the middle of just talking for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, after the, the detective says, you know, I think it's really weird that she goes missing, he, Chris just straight up says, he said, this is something that I would never do. And it's suspicious because remember at this time, nobody knows the wife and kids is dead. They just think that they're missing. So what minute. is this? What is, what does he ask him? And he answered, this is something I would never do. The detective says, I, you know, I just think it's a little bit weird that you're saying you guys had an argument that morning. You asked for a divorce. You went to work and now all of a sudden they're missing. And Chris was like, this is something I would never do. Like, and so that automatically was suspicious because it's like, what is this? They're missing, but what is this? You said this, you know what I mean? So then they ask, well, he, he asked Chris, have you ever cheated on your wife? And he says, no, we were a perfect couple. Like I would never do that. And now keep in mind, the FBI has now accessed his phone records. And so they know about Nicole. They've seen the text messages. And this is bad. This is the Nicole, the, the cheating Nicole. So I think because there's two Nicoles, there's the best friend Nicole. And then there is the mistress Nicole. So I'll just I think say he did mistress that on Nicole. purpose. You should say mistress Nicole. Yeah, I'm going to say mistress Because I think Nicole. he did that on purpose. So if she looks in the phone and sees Nicole, she wasn't tripping. Yeah. Right. Well, no, because it's like, why would he be calling her friend, though? That's He would still get in trouble for that. Because Nicole was yeah. friend. Yeah. That's yeah. It. So, so Graham then asks him, well, what do you think we should do to the guy who took your wife and kids? And Chris says, if his family is returned home safe, whoever did this should get life in prison. And Graham said, and if the kids are hurt, what should they do? Chris said, if those kids are hurt, I guess the death penalty. God. Yeah. Because it's like, you see what Grandma's doing there. Grandma wants him to say, because he's suspicious. Of <laughs> no, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> that's all like, well. Yeah. So they go ahead and they end the first interview with Graham telling Chris that he apologizes about the tough questions. He says, you know, he just wants, and basically for him, he just wants to end, uh, to end the interview on good terms. And the reason he wants to end the interview on good terms, he don't want Chris to think that he is a suspect yet is because he actually asked Chris to come back the next day and take a polygraph test. So for anybody that knows, and you know, the, anybody that knows a polygraph test is something that's not admissible in court at all. What? So yeah, it's not admissible in court. It's because a polygraph test, it typically, it play, it kind of plays on your emotions. So if you're nervous, if your heart is racing a certain way, it could come back as inconclusive or it could come back as you're lying about something. And it, that's not, that's how a lot of innocent people got, you know, get, got caught up. However, what a polygraph... So movies be lying. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, they're not admissible in court, but what a polygraph test does, and I always say, if anybody asks you, if the cops ever ask you to take a polygraph test, you can refuse it. You don't have to take it at all. That's not, you know, required at all. But what it does do is if you go in there for that polygraph test and you fail it, then they have leverage against you because they'll come in and say, okay, you failed the polygraph test. So you want to tell me the truth? You know, it makes people more nervous, and that's how they get people to confess more is out of this polygraph test, you know, because mm. the polygraph test is not admissible. But if you go in there, you confess, then at that point, your confession is admissible. So the polygraph is really done, done just to shake people up. So I was like, if I'm ever like... It's a shakedown tactic. Yeah. And if you if like, and I'm just like, you know what, if I'm ever like in any kind of trouble, I'm not taking a polygraph test at all. Oh, this is going to happen for you soon. Because <laughs> the way that you just talk about things. Oh my gosh. I'm surprised you haven't already, you know, saying this from your own experience of this is how I talked to a cop last week. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. Sounds like, if you said that, I would not be shocked. Oh, my, no. Like, I'm completely a good person sometimes. So now Chris goes home for the night. Now, after Chris goes home, they bring in Nicole, the mistress Nicole, for questioning because they got her phone records and everything. Now, we'll go back to a lot of the stuff that she says after because there is going to be some questions on how much she knew or did not know. But what I would say for right now is that 
She told the police that she thought that they were divorced because that's what he had told her. She was really hurt to find out that his wife was 15 weeks pregnant. He had lied to her too. And she's worried about his family as well. And she was like, she had no idea, you know, and she's a victim as well. Now, on August 15, 2018, and three days after Shannon and the kids go missing, Tammy Lee from the CBI joins in on the interview with Chris. So CBI is the Colorado Bureau of Investigations. So like I said, we will go back to the Nicole thing again because her line of questioning, it really does come up a lot on what she didn't know and what she didn't know. But it's very interesting. So I'm going to save that to the end. So CBI, is that like their... Each state has their own, like, FBI or something mm-hmm. like that, or IRS Yeah, because there's something? a Federal Bureau of Investigation, but CBI, she's directly over polygraph. So, if you're, she's the one that's going to do the polygraph, so every state has, you know, somebody like that that's in charge. So, now, it's her, it's uh, Tammy, and it's Graham, the previous detective from the previous day. Now, Tammy told him, she said, right now, only you know the truth. But when this is over, everyone will know the truth. Now, she's trying to, like, kind of make him feel comfortable, make him feel like he's her friend. And she was like, when you pass this polygraph, this is going to be so good for you, you know. So, he does the polygraph test. He fails the polygraph test. Uh Yeah, immediately. Tammy and Graham comes back in the room. Because they leave the room and they come back in. And at this point, they're aggressive. Graham sits down. He starts staring at him. He starts tapping his pen on the desk. And then Tammy says, you failed the polygraph. And Chris just looks at them and he's like, okay. And then they're like, you need to tell the truth. You need to tell the truth right now. And he says, well, I'm not lying. I did tell the truth about everything. And then Tammy starts saying, you know, I know that you're a good guy. I could tell. And I know that you want to come clean. And, you know, Graham says, I know you love your kids. And then at that point, Chris blurts out. He admits, he says, I did cheat on her. You know what I mean? I I cheated on her. So at that point, they know that they're breaking him down. Because at first he had lied and said he never cheated. And now, you know, they know that. So now they start kind of turning everything around on Shannon and blaming her. And they was like, you know, I know that she was bossy. I knew that, I know that she was rude to you. Like, you know, they just start making her look like the victim. Like, did you maybe do something to her on accident? Like, you know, you could tell us if you did, because we'll understand if you accidentally did something to her. Damn. And then they even tell him, they said, you haven't cried not one time. This just isn't normal, you know? And then, and they say, they say, you haven't been emotional. You haven't been crying. As soon as they say that, all of a sudden his voice starts cracking and he starts like, just because, you know, just because I'm not crying, that oh, doesn't God, mean, and that. he, basically, yeah, he starts, like, acting like he's gonna start crying, you know? Yeah, what I mean? I, man, I've dated women that did that shit, but, yeah. uh, everybody knows, if you dated somebody, yeah. it happens. it does, and he was like, it be doesn't, he was like, it doesn't mean that I'm not sad, you know, so then he, his voice starts shaking, but then, as soon as they stop talking about him crying, he stops. He stops with the crying, and he goes back to normal. It's crazy. You guys have to you have to check out that footage because it's it's insane. <laughs> so now, Ta- Tammy puts it in his ear. She's like, you know, is it possible that maybe Shannon maybe hurt the girls, and to protect them, you hurt Shannon? She said, maybe that's a possibility. Did you do that? And then she holds up a picture of his kids. So at that point, Chris starts crying and he says, can he talk to his dad? His dad had came in from North Carolina because of this whole thing to kind of support him. So they're like, sure. So they leave and they bring his dad in and to the interrogation room. Okay. So, yeah. So at that point, he told his dad, he said, this is what happened. Shannon killed Cece and Bella. And so when he walked in, he saw her killing them. So he went ahead and killed her. He said, that's exactly what happened. What type of help out that she gave him a layup kill? Like, they just like, do you want to say you killed him this way? Let's all just agree on that. So she was killing the babies, you killed her. (laughs) Superstar killing. That's what that sounded like. That was a layup right there, trying to help his ass out with getting away with some murders. Well, it seems like that, but the police, sometimes they'll do that because... They know he's lying about everything, but they want him, their their whole thing is they want him to start confessing about something, and then they're going to pull everything else out of him. 
So at this point now, he has just admitted that he killed his wife. You have a doctoring in police tactics. Oh, yeah. Your ass is on it. Oh, yes. I know this. So at this point. Don't get mad at me. I I, I won't. I'll try not to. Every time I say that you're crazy, I'm just playing. (laughs) Okay? I'm not crazy, everybody. Uh, You know you're not. Of course you're not. So, now at this point, she has just gotten him to admit that he killed his wife. Remember, he didn't kill anybody. He didn't even know what happened. So, he's gotten the first, they've gotten the first confession. So, that's the first slam dunk, right? So, <clears throat> he um, basically said that, you know, after he, he was going to get ready for work is when she did it. And so, his dad was like, okay, we need to get a lawyer at this point. Don't say nothing else. Tammy and Graham come back in the room immediately and puts the dad out. Because at that point, everybody... If you know interrogation rooms, if you anything you say in there, you're still being recorded. Even when the cop leaves, you're being recorded. You are being videoed. So I mean, that's because that's what we did in the Lululemon murder case. Remember? It seems to be a repetitive. Yeah, thing. it's just because the cop leaves. At that point, he has now confessed. So the cops came right back in. You know what I mean? So now at this point, they try to convince him. Where's the body? That's the whole thing. They're like, they know he's lying, but let's get the bodies. Because once they get the bodies, they'll go ahead and they'll start doing the autopsies and stuff on the body. They can find out what really happened. And that's the evidence they can use against him. So now at this point that they've gotten the confession, at least about the wife, their thing is, we know we want to know where the bodies are. So what he did was, it, well, the cops was like, you know, I know that they're cold. Don't you want them to at least be brought in from the cold? You know, and you want their dead bodies to just be wherever, you know? So he mm. broke down again and he said... He told them that the girls... Yeah, this was a real breakdown. He yeah. was really crying that time. He was. So he told them that the girls' bodies was in the huge oil drums at his job. And he had buried Shannon in the fields at his job. So before he went to work, he had got rid of them and then he went on what to work. What does he work for? Mr. Burns? No, he works at the oil. Remember, he he was operating at the oil company. So that was the whole thing. He went out to the fields. Did you say that at the beginning? Yeah, in the uh, part one. What do you mean go out to the fields? He wasn't picking cotton. What do you mean no, go out to the fields? But, okay, so whole oil, they had fields. There was big fields. So there was mm-hmm. oil drums. So he put the girls' bodies into those, you know, the, those big old, like, have you ever seen those round circle, circular drums? The metal ones, yeah. yeah. So he threw their the little girls' bodies because they were little. There and there, and he dug a hole and buried her on in the ground at his job. Okay. Now, so at that point, they went, they sent people to retrieve the bodies, okay? And then Tammy tells him that she knows he's lying. And if he's saying that the, if the way that he's saying things are true, she was like, are you okay with Peyton Shannon as a horrible, bad person that, you know, killed your daughters? Even though she was the one that planted the seed in the first place to get him to confess. She was like, I know you're lying. I know she didn't hurt those girls. She was like, do you really want her to be planted like that? And they both said... The story did not make sense at all. So at that did point... Did she just say that flat out to him? Yeah, she said, your story is not mm-hmm. making sense. She said, you know that your wife did not hurt those girls. She would never hurt those babies. And you need to tell the truth about everything that happened. Now, at that point, he didn't say anything else, but he was arrested right then and there. His trial was set for three months later. At that point, Chris did plead guilty to all three murders. And the reason that he did that is to take the death penalty off the table. So what they did was they they um they did a plea deal with him. And the plea deal was for the whole truth to come out. At that point, they'll take the death penalty off the table and it, he'll do life in prison. Okay, because, so how do you get around this, Mrs. Mastermind? Well, because a lot of times, and this is typically what happens, mm-hmm. is that they'll offer you a plea deal. So if you, because he was saying that he killed his wife, right? Because she killed the girls. That's the story he was going to stay with. Now, if he would have went to trial with that story and the jury's, the juror would have found him guilty, he was going to get the death penalty. But the prosecution, the prosecutor, what they did was they said, okay, if you go ahead and plead guilty and tell us the real story of what happened, we'll take the death penalty off the table and you could just do life in prison with no parole instead. And most people, that gets them because people don't want to do death penalty. Mm-hmm. Now, an interesting case about that is I know Shannon's family was completely anti-death penalty. So they completely agreed with this. They was like, because at that time he was like 34, 35 years old. He's going to be an old man. If he lives to be 80 something years old, he's going to be in prison 50, 60 years. And that's usually a fate that's, worse than death. Man. <clears throat> so he is. Sometimes it's mercy killing the ass. Yeah, it is. I believe he, in the death penalty. Yeah. So they went ahead and did this. Now, this was his confession. And I, I did go over the confession in the part one. But basically what he did say was that... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you just say he should have got the death penalty? 
What? Are you agreeing with death now? I didn't say he should have gotten the death penalty. I said his, his family agreed with him not getting the death penalty. Oh, I yeah. was thinking that he was going to have some way that you say <laughs> that, oh, this is how you actually get out of that. When they present you with the death penalty thing, what you say to the judge is Emancipation Proclamation. <laughs> and he is out. Well, like, girl, your ass, you be just knowing some things well, and a little bit of details is all well, I'm saying. Well, yeah. Well, typically that does happen in death penalty cases that they offer you a plea if you're guilty. And, you know, because that's you the take thing. the plea? I would Did take they... the plea if I was guilty. Okay. It dep- and it depends. They'll, you know the evidence they have against you. So it's all going to be up to the jury. And if you go to the jury and they say guilty, you're going to be sentenced to death. And at that point, you're going to have to file appeals. But most of the time, those appeals are not, you know, even seen by the Supreme Court. So I would take life. I've started having a question that developed very recently in the mind. Uh Uh-huh. Because you're so savvy of the interaction of the police that you should have and one should not have, far more than I am. Yeah, you, you you got this down. You, you you're like, and this is what you say to the cops, and this is what you don't say. And yeah, they let you know you're right. You are down. Oh yeah, the cops I, should be nervous be on pulling around. you over, whether they getting some voluptuous goodies in their face, <laughs> or they sitting here gonna be told about some law shit that they don't even fucking know. <laughs> so it's got to be bad either way. What would you do if it happens in court? What would you say to someone that'd be like, hey? This is how you should act in court to show that you're guilty or not guilty. Well, I mean, there's no way to act in court, but I will definitely say a lot of people, defendants want to take the the stand in their own defense so that they can tell lies. And that that works out good because your defense attorney is going to paint you in a good light. But the problem is you can get cross-examined by the prosecutor who's going to tear you apart. That never works good. Never take the the stand if you're on the defense for any kind of trial, whether it's murder, drugs, whatever it is. Do not take the stand. And your lawyer should, if you're a good lawyer, will tell you, don't try to take the stand because the prosecution's whole thing is going to be to tear you up and to find different holes in your story. And the jury is sitting here hearing all of this. And so once they can prove you as a liar, you got to think about your jury decides your fate. And so that's going to be in their mind. So don't ever take the stand. There's going to be all type of people that are doing embezzlements of money that's never going to take the stand again listening to this podcast. Yeah. It's going to be like, is that Trump not taking the stand? I, like, can't, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times people like, get Do not up. take that stand. Yeah, huh? don't take the witness stand at all. People think it's going to work out for them because they're going to get up there and they're going to do sympathy, but no, it never works out. It never, ever works out. Even if you're oh. innocent, don't take the stand. Even if you're innocent, you said. Yeah, don't take the... I was listening to you and you were saying, even, especially if you're guilty. That's what it started yeah, off with. Yeah, especially if you're but guilty. Now, but it, now if you're innocent, yeah. don't take the stand either. Yeah, if you're a defendant, period, do not take the stand because the prosecution is going to tear you apart and their their whole thing is to try to trip you up. And even a question, even if you're innocent, it, the way the prosecutor is going to come at you with the questions, you're going to start tripping up, forgetting things. It's going to make you look like you're lying, you know, even if you're innocent. Because a lot of people, they, that's really something that you get nervous about, you know? So, so you may not even be able to remember what you did yesterday or even what you originally told the cops that you did because you're under so much pressure in the courtroom. Right. Oh. Now, yeah. this is what... Sh- now, you are giving people some game in the court. Yeah, absolutely. And you may get assassinated. Oh, don't say that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> now, according to the Daily Mail, he did do interviews in prison He admitted that he actually thought about and planned to kill his family before that night. He admitted that he, when he found out that Shannon was pregnant with a third baby, he tried to slip an oxy in her drink to induce a miscarriage, but that didn't work because he didn't want her to have another baby. This is, so basically he... That is great stuff to admit to there. Yeah, well, he, remember he had to admit to everything that happened so he didn't get the death penalty, so he went ahead and confessed. I mean, he just let the whole kit and caboodle out. Yeah, he did. He just went there. And he said that when she got home that night, you know, he had a feeling that she knew that he had been cheating on her. He didn't want to be with her no more. So after they had sex that morning, he had he had tried to go into the room and smother the girls first. So he did that at that point, try to smother them. So after he smothered them, he thought that they was dead at that point. So then he came back in the room and he killed her. But what happened was the girls walked in the room because he didn't smother them all the way. They just had passed out. God yeah. How did he kill her? You didn't go. Rem- give me the juicy of oh, that. The, like, okay, so the first recap. Just oh, the recap, recap right was now. he strangled her to death. He went back he in, went the in the room. No, now how did the strangulation happen? Well, like he was like he went in there, and smothered her. She came out the bathtub. 
The, was he hiding behind a no, door that's like not what American Psycho? No, remember, this was at, okay, so this was at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, because remember, he had to leave for work. So, they were in the bed, so it was no hiding. It was like they had just had sex. Yeah, just as she was they asleep. They just had sex, and he yeah. He turned over and choked her ass No, because he out. went in the room first to try to kill the girls first, after she okay. went back to sleep okay. after the sex. This he is smothered, the yeah, so yeah, he, let's go. So, he smothered the girls, uh-huh. okay, thinking that they so were he, dead. So, so she had, so, no, you gotta, you gotta live it like you him. So, what? they had sex. Passed out. She was asleep. He knew she was asleep. She was like, okay, all right, now here's the time. Look over at her. Her eyes are closed. All right, good. Got his ass up and grabbed a pillow. Her the pillow off the child. She was like, Daddy, is you really? I'm just giving you a nighttime story, dear. Oh, I'm my goodness. A nighttime story. And then choked her ass up with a pillow. Went over with the same pillow with the slobber and saliva on it. And was like, Samantha was, she's like, what are you doing with that? Fuss, no, no. And she started to reach up and he was smacking her hand down. And it smothered her out. And it was like, and it came back. And she was like, what was you doing, dear? Oh, I was just washing my clothes. I was just washing myself off because it was a good love thing that we had. And I just didn't want it to smell like that and everything. Go on back to sleep. I'm going to brush my teeth. And she was like, oh, okay. And she laid back down. He came from the back, choking that shit out. Ow! <laughs> mm, oh, what, bitch? Gotcha! Gotcha! Like a viper, is what I'm saying. Is that how it happened? That's, yeah, that sounds that's like That's exactly how it happened. happened. That's exactly, yeah. That sounds like the gist of it. Now, at that point when he was strangling her out, she was dead. So the girls that he had. Now, he I, did that one right, though. He, did he got that one He right. got one. He got that one. Yeah, so the girls came back in, I guess, to ask, like, you know, what was going on. Wait a minute. After being smothered with pillows, they came in? They came, because at that point. Y'all didn't, like, jump out a window or something? This nigga's killed us. They, they, <laughs> they, what? Well, keep in mind, they were really little kids. So oh, they were, no. They, they were so little. That's too much innocence. That was, yeah. I'm sorry to laugh tra- at that, Nisha. Don't make were, me laugh. Okay. You made me laugh with the look that you made. I'm, I'm sorry to public. But. She did that. Oh. Okay. So they, the children came back though. They were toddlers. They came in the room with their mom. And now that I'm thinking about it, maybe they came in the room to get their mom because they didn't know what was going on. They were scared. But then they came in the room, and you remember the mom was dead. So that's when he got their blankets. You know, he car- he wrapped her up in a sheet, carried her out to the car, put her on the floor, and then put the girls in the truck. That's and what I'm then, saying. They didn't really see him. I'm telling you, he came in there and smurfed them real yeah. quick, real fast. And then, and then, oh. he, and then that's when they saw. That's when the neighbor saw that with the truck. That he got to the job. He finished them off at the job. He smothered the girls at the job. That again, time they, he pulled their asses again. Yeah, he smothered them again because they he, they weren't dead. So they I know they weren't. They, yeah. they came in and asked. Yeah. But before you didn't say they had got pre-smothered. Yeah, is all well, I'm saying. Well, because this, this comes out like, of his confession. Yeah, this yeah. is like finding out. You know, some liver and onions <laughs> had got some gravy. Be like, and gravy? Like, yeah. whoa, who was pre-smothered? <laughs> Yeah. Like, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Is this shit, I didn't know they got smothered and then smothered. Yeah, and then he drove the 50 minutes to his job, and then at his job is when he finished it. He killed he killed them, and then he threw them in the drums, and then buried the mom, then he went to work. Like, his day just went on. And this is why he should be shot on the line, is this- all I'm saying. Like, so it should be one person that doesn't have a bullet. Maybe even two. You have ten people, two people who have a, a, a blank in there. Yeah. And you shoot this cat. Right. You know what I'm saying like I cats like that I feel should get the AK treatment. Don't give them the AR fifteen. Nah. You know what I'm saying? We should have fun. We got bullets anyway. Mm. Show the enemy like bro, we would take you down too. It should be a warning on that on the on the other side. America get down. And put them up on the line. Give everybody some M sixteens. Somebody got a host two people got a whole clip yeah. of blanks. And y'all go to town, man. You know, like, controlled burst. Get in there. Rat-a-tat-tata and then the ghost platter. Like, give it to him. Like, bro, give it to him. Well, I know that a lot of people were upset because they said he, in his initial interview with the police, he only, all he cared about was the media. The media is going to make me look so bad. And the media, and like, it's going to, I'm going to be so bad. And, like, he all he cares about his image a lot in the media. You know what I mean? And so... Um, remember when I said I was going to talk about Nicole's, uh, her interview with the police? After all this, there's a lot of, there was a lot of, um, like, like, basically suspicion of Nicole. Because, obviously, there's not enough evidence against her that she knew anything about the murders, that she did anything with the murders. But there was some stuff that came out investigation about her. The first thing is when... She was questioned by the police. Remember, she was like, she was hurt. She didn't know. She thought that, you know, he was getting a divorce. This is what he told her. Well, on her computer, it was found that she had been actually Facebook stalking Shannon. 
for okay. before this even happened. And you know, if anybody knows about Shannon's Facebook, everybody can see Shannon was putting up happy stuff about <coughs> her pregnancy, about the girls. Remember, she was making it like she was a whole family woman. So anybody looking at that would have not knew that that was a divorced man. That you know, so she knew that Shannon was pregnant. She told the police that she didn't have any knowledge of it and that she thought he was getting a divorce. So that was the first thing. Um, that was yeah, that was the first thing that was suspicious. Now, now Shannon came home. Remember at two o'clock in the morning from the airport. Now the night before that, the only thing I have to defense before you even go to that, but uh, it is if you fucking LeBron James, because trust me, somebody is. If you fucking LeBron James, right? You know he's married. Yeah, you know he's married, right? Then. Right. And you probably a big fan of him and on accident a fan of his wife. Right. It's not some, this is the yeah. weird thing when it comes to fandom and people get so high in the level. And it sounds crazy, but it's a psychological thing that I think people need to start really addressing. Is when some people get so high in fandom, it become bigger than the average person. I got something on my motherfucking face. You need to be a better friend and tell me. I didn't see anything on um, your face. Is there I, something I, I felt it. Maybe, anyway, maybe it's your beard. Maybe. I don't think that's, yeah. But they got uh, so high that people don't feel that they're disrespectful to your wife if you say that you're going through some problems mm-hmm. and you just really need just a moment for yourself and you wish that you could just, you know, have an embracing moment with somebody who's, you know, not always uh, asking you for so much or expecting things from you because expectations and all that stuff that happens in relationships, yada, 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 you know, that's like, mm-hmm. but... It's people don't people feel like I'm doing something great for LeBron and his wife mm-hmm. by being this side chick helping us out. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. it is something. It is something that has become a psychological thing in people. Mm-hmm. You know that where they think it's okay. So I'm not saying that she was she knew, but yeah. on that evidence, just that part, yeah. I'm gonna let you go ahead and say the other stuff, and I'm probably gonna condemn her in about 25 yeah. seconds. <laughs> But it's what I'm saying is just on that alone is when you have somebody who has an adoration, mm-hmm. it's a different aspect than when somebody looks at you. Mm-hmm. And so it's mm-hmm. just like, hey, they might, they they definitely knew you was married. Yeah. You know, they knew you had a, but they didn't, they never met a guy like you. Right, right. Well, yeah. And then the second one was, so the night, so Nicole got home at two o'clock in the morning. Well, that previous night. Nicole and Chris was had been on FaceTime for 199 minutes, and it was this was the night before he killed his family. So in the police investigation, she could never tell them exactly everything that they talked about. She wasn't going to say anything. So they was like, "This is the night before he killed his wife. What exactly like were you talking about on that phone?" You know. So they was never able to recover that conversation. They just know what happened. Mm. The other thing is she did get caught in a lie because I guess at some point she started at the when his family was like you know disappeared she started getting nervous probably herself because she was like well and they that's one thing so they told her we saw you that you guys were on the phone for 199 minutes and she was like oh well i thought something was weird because when we were on facetime he was on his mattress with no sheets at all and that was a lie because you know shannon when she was murdered he did wrap her up in the sheets but keep in mind she came home they had sex so he wasn't never in the bed with no sheets on they was in the bed Right. So that was when they said, so why did you feel like you had to lie about that? You know what I mean? So how would you have kind of known that or known anything to lie about that? Well, what was there to lie about? So that's why they was like, mm, you know what I mean? The other thing is they did find that she Googled Amber Fry's network. And, and that was another mistress. That's Scott Peterson's mistress who actually, you know, got book deals and stuff like that. We'll we'll cover Scott Peterson as well. But, okay, because you yeah. just saying that like, yeah. yeah, and that is oh, Donald Scott, Trump. Scott, Scott Peterson, you don't know him? The guy that killed his pregnant wife because he had a mistress? You never heard of him? He was all over the place. Girl, I'm, I'm, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll cover him. Don't worry. You'll learn more about him. But this happened way before this. She Googled her net worth and she said how to write a book about being a mystery. So she wanted to profit off of this. And the other thing that, you know, that was really suspicious as she actually started getting death threats. Whatever she knew, didn't know, whatever. She actually started getting death threats because people felt like it was her fault that he killed his family. She ended up having to change her name, going to hiding. So to this day, she went into hiding. Now, that's going to tie back into Chris's life in prison right now because... Chris is in prison. 
Chris is literally one of the most hated men in prison because if everybody knows in prison, if you're a child killer, you're at the law, you're literally at the bottom of the totem pole. So there are guards that has to guard him morning, noon, and night from the other inmates. He's only allowed to associate with one, which is his roommate, one other inmate, which is also a child killer. So they've become friends, but they, everyone's like, the guards are doing such a good job of like making sure he's safe. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. They're making sure that, you know, he's safe and everything. Now, Chris is getting a lot of fan mails in prison. Women all over the place, they want to step in as the new wife. Okay? And I mean, I'm surprised yeah. you're not giving fan mail. Just as a killer to killer. Oh, whatever. Anyways, so, you know, everyone's asking, like, so is he allowed to do that? Because, you know, it's some sexual stuff going back and forth with people. Like, you know, women are literally, they're, you know, sexing each other in prison. Like, and, every, and everyone's like, well, you know what? As long as, you know, he's not doing anything wrong, they can't really do anything about his fans. So he spends hours in there responding back to all the fan mail. You know, he has his Bible now. He has pictures of his kids in his cell, but not Shannon, obviously. So they think he is sorry about what he did to his kids. He doesn't care about what he did to Shannon. And because uh, some females are like, you would kill a bitch to stay with the one you want to be with. Yeah. So he gets a lot of so fan Some mail. females are like, I want to be that female. You would kill a bitch for me. Yeah. Yeah. But then, I mean, that was the one he was married to. So that means he can get with you, marry you, have a chick on the side, he's going to kill you too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, like, what the thing is. I, it's yeah. like a Black Widow thing. You know, like, when rich guys get, you know, they'd be like, okay, they get a woman they're married to, and they always get, like, a 20-year-old new one every, yeah. like, 10, 15 years. That could be what he just his pattern is. Like, every yeah. 15 years, I choke your ass out and get another one. <laughs> oh, my. Choke your ass out and get another one. Well, just to end this case, remember I just said that Nicole had to change her name and everything going to hiding? Well, it came out that somehow she found a way to contact Chris in prison, and she's not supposed to contact him because everything going on. And Are you about to say her real name no, on the air right I now? Don't, I, don't know what her, I don't know what her name is, but it was somehow found out from the guards that she, under a different name, you know, contacted him. She just wanted to clear up some stuff about what was going on. And he was like, he still loves her. So now his his prison email account has been suspended so that she can't contact him no more at all. And he, he still communicates with his family. And he actually has hopes. He wants to file an appeal because he said he's going to get free one day. He's going to get out of prison. Everyone knows that he's never getting out of prison at all. He's it's for the kids part. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be in there. But that's, yeah, that's the crazy ass story of Chris Watts. Yeah, the crazy yeah. ass wild roller coaster. So, what was the stupidest part of this crime to you? You I always say that, and I never. I have a whole list. You want to go first? You, like want that. Go first? you always go, okay. and I'm just here. So, the stupidest part of this crime for me is okay, so he admitted that he had been planning this for like months or whatever. And I'm like, it didn't say, because he killed them and he didn't have a plan after that to me. I'm like, so for me personally, the first thing I would have did is. Why did you leave the doors locked? Because remember, that's what got them caught up too. Because they was like, the only way they could have went out is through the garage. So, and the reason is, is because when they came, all the doors was locked from the inside, including that little hotel thing. What do you call the little latch key? Mm -hmm. I would have unlocked that to make it seem like she could have went out the door. So it didn't seem like that was something so simple. That, that could have been thought out. Mm. I think that that was one of the things. And I'm not telling anyone how to commit murder. But yes, I, you are. But well, I was just like, going. okay. So I have a, so it and then it's like when they said he got rid of them at his job. I was like at your job, like seriously, because I know that it was in the fields and he didn't think anybody would find it. But at the same time, what yeah, I would have thought, what if they do find it? You don't think that's weird that it's at your job and it's some oil drums? That like, was wild. That was wild. You buried. I would have. I yeah. I, I would not have gotten rid of them at the job. Yeah, I mean, he must work in some serious ass Mexico minefields or type of thing. Yeah, like, you know, he had to see those New Mexico fields on the movies and shit like that on tremors or some type of shit that's hella just dust and oh yeah, best buried land where they bury people in mafia movies. That's what it seems like he was living. He was working at. Yeah, I mean, that's what it would have to be. That's why I was asking you, what is the field? And the other thing, I think I would have just admitted that I was having an affair because I'm thinking about it too. That kind of got him caught up too because he started off with a little lie. And when you're getting questioned by the police, they look for you to tell little lies. That's what they want you to do so they can know you're lying about something big. So if he, when the cop asked me, have I ever cheated? I would have probably said yes. And because just because that was one thing that that was a lie that he got caught up in. And the other thing is I wouldn't have just handed over my phone because technically he didn't have to. This would have, He don't have to. They don't have a subpoena for it for that phone. 
You know what I mean? Because the cop was like, oh, well, I'm questioning you. Can, can you just give me your phone? I wouldn't have gave up my phone. Like, they would have had to subpoena it, you know, the phone. Yeah. That's one thing. I would have gotten a lawyer because, again, like I said, you don't get questioned without a lawyer. That's, the, I mean, because those was the major things. not saying that he wouldn't have gotten caught up, but for me, I feel like for this to have been supposedly premeditated, I didn't feel like it was very premeditated because it was like, he got caught with like three days later, like in all the lines. He didn't think it through at all. And I was just like, I don't know. And then I think for me, I think I, I probably would have made the death look more like an ass dick and I would have left the kids alone because you can't kill your whole family. You know what I mean? By her being sick and everything like that. Like, I think that he could have, I don't know. I, I probably would have made it look more like an accidental death if he wanted, but he wanted to get rid of the kids too, though. That was the whole thing. But for me, if he would have just made it look like an accidental death and just her, he could have started a whole new family and stuff with Nicole, you know? And Your his kids would have still been... assessment on this. Well, There's... I mean, I'm just thinking, like, I think that's where he messed up is he tried, he just tried to kill everybody. And that's that's where he got caught slipping. You can't kill everybody. You can't kill So everybody. I might live when you go on your killing spree because you just can't kill everybody. <laughs> you can't kill... So when you poison the people... You have to have it premeditated. You have to have it set out to make it look like it was a disease or something that they had. You yeah. are already sick with yeah. this thing that you had. Maybe you had cancer. Maybe you had leukemia. Yeah. Maybe you had just like a, a smoker's cough, even though you never smoked a cigarette as a five-year-old. Yeah. Well, because you would kill a kid. No, no, I wouldn't. But that's the thing, too. If you're going to poison people, you got to make sure, because there's a paper trail. Like, where are you getting this poison from? Because mm-hmm. you got to make sure it doesn't come back to you at all. And we'll go over cases where people poison people, especially the nurses and the doctors in the hospital. I can't wait to go Good God, girl. Yeah. You studied their profiles? Oh, we're If not- you are a nurse or a doctor, no. If you ever see Nisha Brown uh- looking at your profile, you may. No, it was the doctors and nurses that was killing the patients. We'll go over that. Yeah. You never heard of Dr. Um, Dr. Death? Uh, I heard of Dr. Death. But nurses and doctors killing patients. See, this yeah. is why I don't do Kaiser. Oh, what? See, this is that shit. You can't just have anybody handling my, me or my kids or my health and you put me under gas and trying to knock me out. I'll be like a cartel member. Don't knock me out. I don't give a fuck if you're taking my liver out, motherfucker. Put me under something that's going to make me just be kind of loopy and I'm still looking at your ass. But let's do this. I'm going to take the pain. Oh. Like, let's go. Don't put me under because I don't know what you about to do and I want to look at you. Like, I what am... do you mean when they pulling that out? What is that? <laughs> I want to know too. I'm asking and I'm talking. Uh, but uh, but I don't know because I'm scared. So just put me out. Whatever happens, happens. Because you can take pain, bro. I'm trying to tell yeah. you. After a while, it's just, it's like just grabbing and sensation. It's pinching and, and strain. It, it, it hurts. But you can take it. It's It's... They put that uh, sensation, the area uh, affecting numbness on your ass. They just got to give you hella needles. But That's the only thing. You got to get like four, five, six shots. But if you're asking questions about what they're doing, are you even going to know like what they're talking about anyway? Like that's the whole thing. We don't know. They usually put something over your mouth. It's weird. Oh, yeah, they but, do. Yeah, yeah, it's hella weird. Like they just know that you might not try, yeah, you to, might ask try to ask questions. So you need to shut the fuck up. Yeah. They do. So they put, it's a breathing tube down your throat. Yeah, so you can't even ask those too. questions. Yes. Yeah. So pretty much we're just going to sleep. not to bite down. Yeah. You probably, you probably just got to go to sleep. I mean, you can't talk anyway. I don't want to be awake and not able to Talk, that's gonna freak me out even more. I it, it's freaky. It yeah. is freaky. See, now that level of surgery, I don't think you could say conscious because it's real. I can't. I heard for some brain surgeries they keep you awake. They have to keep you awake for some. They'll like numb it up because they they can't have you go to sleep. Did you yeah. go into a coma or anything mm-hmm. like that? I'm like, can you imagine being awake for a brain surgery? I can because I've woken up in the middle of a surgery or two because my appendix had exploded. And oh. I have because they didn't put enough sedation. So. The shit do be kind of weird. Like, it'd be on some real ass, you feel like you're in a sci-fi movie type of shit. Mm-mm. Like, there's lights over you, and they're sitting there saying, like, oh, yeah, they're moving over here, and I have to move this thing over here. Like, what, what do you think about this? So, so this thing is 202, and you be sitting there looking around like, this shit is real. That's freaky. I would, oh, my God. And then you can't even say, hey, I'm awake. Can I get some more medicine? That's crazy. Yeah, you just kind of looking around until somebody kind of notice. I mean, they do notice, though, pretty quickly. Yeah, because they're supposed to look at you, huh? Yeah, they do yeah. notice and keep on the stage. 
updating the status of the shit. And they asked it like every like 30 seconds to two minutes type of shit. So yeah. within that time span, you're going to be found out that you've been sitting there staring at them. Okay. But, <laughs> so when you walk up, so, so you remember, so you didn't feel nothing though, right? You just kind of no, saw it. No, I just oh, saw okay. it. It's just kind of weird to see them working on you like a, 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 a car. Oh gosh, no. Like, you know, they all in there like, it's not, and I'm not saying it's, it's in, a, in a way like it, they're not doing something they don't care. I'm not right. saying that. But it's just methodical. Yeah. You know, and it's just really going through a process and they're naming shit that you've never fucking heard of and doing things and you just and they're like, What? Even it, it, it sounds like English, but it sounds almost like another language. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Well, that's our show for today. So next week we are going to be covering the case of Christopher Dorner. Do you know that case? Okay. That is the case. Girl, you know I'm paid to not know. That's my whole <laughs> job is to not damn know. Well, that is the case of a police officer who went on a killing spree. And we're going to go into why. A police officer? Who went into on to a killing spree. And they're going to figure out, was he tired of the racism? Is he just evil? Like, we'll go into all of it. But so case, he was brown? He was a black police officer who went on a killing spree. And we are going to go into His case is wild. I see you have no discrimination when it comes down to the killings. Oh, the killings, like, yeah. Hey, whatever race you are, you killing up some people, you get the admiration of Misha he, Brown. Yeah, well, he, he's wild. We're going to go over him. We're gonna That one's going to be a two-parter as well because there's so much that we're going to go into depth of. So we will see you next week. Take care and watch your back out there. Peace.